For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, 6 to 8, on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar, come take a seat at Asiento. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Big dogs, you got to fight, niggas. You sleep outside in your shit. It's cold. Good morning, mutineers. It's labor and it's love coming at you. Subterranean, homesick. Get well, hang around. 
They're gonna get hit by losers, cheaters, six-time users, hanging round the theaters. Girl by the whirlpools looking for a new fool. Don't follow leaders or watch a parking meter. Get blessed, try to be success Please her, please him Buy gifts, don't steal, don't live Twenty years of schooling and they put you on the day shift Look out, kid, they keep it all hit Better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle Don't wear sandals, try to forge the scandals Don't wanna be a bum, you better chew gum The pump don't work, cause the vandals took the handle
show where we tell you how it is. Where we tell you. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Where we tell you. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And we remind you never but never to let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. This is Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Broadcasting over mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco in the heart of the Mission District. And the soon-to-be venue for the uh, Comedy Festival. Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. From March 1st to 5th. Thursday... Saturday, 6 to 11 p.m., Sunday and Monday, 5 to 10. 37, count them, 37 comics, 25 shows, eight day, five days live for 30 audience members, live streaming and podcasts. Visit, and that's our address, www.mutinyradio.fm. Here at 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California. A nationwide comedy festival. We have comics coming from as far away as Maine. From all over the United States to participate. So come and show up. And have a ball. This is Mutiny Radio, really a community media center. Yes, we have our radio station here. We also have a space where you can put on, what, a play, live music, um, comedy shows, as we do, art, paintings, and sculpture by members of the community. So we're a lot more than just a radio station. Come on down and get involved. We need programmers. Come on down and see our station manager, Pam Benjamin, and get on board. Don't stand on the sidewalk. Join us in the parade to peace and justice. Yeah, yeah, okay. Play some music. All right. Here we go. Little uh, oh, let me let me describe what you heard first. First, we heard Bob Dylan Subterranean Homesick Blues. <clears throat> I played that for a kid named Jose, who's uh, got a a beautiful future ahead of him, discovering different kinds of music. Um. After that, we had Carrie Miraji, which is normally our lead-out song we play at the end. Today, I felt like it kind of set the tone for a gentle, kind of quiet Saturday morning. 
while we remind ourselves of how much we owe to those who have gone before us in the labor movement. After that was Count Basie, which I can only describe as one of my very favorite songs. It's One O'Clock, Jump. Basie and his band played background for a radio station. And the station manager was in the habit of counting down the seconds and saying to the band, it's one o'clock, jump! And they would uh, launch into the introductory part of the, of the show. Okay, we're back. How about this one? Remembering uh, Martin Luther King. Alabama's got me so upset. Tennessee made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn! Alabama's got me so upset. Lurleen Wallace has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn! Can't you see it? I know you can feel it. It's all in the air. I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama has got me so upset, and Memphis has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi, God damn. Hound dogs on my trail Little school children sitting in jail Black cat cross my path I think every day's gonna be my last Lord, have mercy on this land of mine. We all gonna get it in due time. Cause I don't belong here, I don't belong there. I've even stopped believing in prayer. Don't tell me, I'll tell you. Me and my people just about do. I've been there, so I know you keep on saying go slow. Well, that's just the trouble. Who knows? Wash 
washing the windows, picking the cotton, nothing but rotten, too damn lazy, thinking's crazy. Try to do my very best. Stand up, be counted with all the rest. Cause everybody knows about Mississippi, goddamn. Now you heard him. He's one of you. If you have been moved at all, and you know my songs at all, for God's sakes, join me. Don't sit back there. The time is too late now. Good God. You know, the king is dead. The king of love is dead. I ain't about to be non-violent, honey. Oh. Oh. Whoa, no. Picket lines, school boycotts. They try to say it's a communist plot. But all I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. And I loved him because he believed it. He lived by it. But you lied to me all these years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine just like a lady and you stopped calling my mama and Sadie. Hear me now. But my country is full of lies. We all gonna die and die like flies. I don't trust nobody anymore. Keep on saying, go slow. That's just the trouble. No. Desegregation. No. Mass participation. No. Unification. No. Quality, cause everybody knows about Mississippi, everybody knows about Alabama, everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. That's it. February. 1968, in Memphis, Tennessee, some 1,300 sanitation workers, members of Local 1733 of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, began a strike. This is the Memphis strike that Martin Luther King joined in uh, at the end of his life.
of the religious community, the civil rights community, and the labor movement. It was a struggle for freedom, for dignity, for decency, for equality. Back in those days, we had to do this to live. The treatment that we would get, I, sometimes I just feel like tears are coming my eyes. And we just got tired. We had meetings and discussed it and says, uh, we're going to do something about it. Said, ain't but one thing to do is just to make our move. And uh, you know, um, a man has got to have a strong mind to go out in the street, leave his job, and go out in the street. We felt like we would have to let the city know that because we were sanitation workers, we were human beings. The signs that we were carrying said that I am a man, then we was gonna demand to have the same dignity and the same courtesy any other citizen of Memphis has. We are saying that we are determined to be men. We are saying that we are God's children. After a few days, we found that the strike was more than just a recognition and uh, economic strike. It was a social struggle in this society. We talked, they didn't listen. Management and the establishment here wanted no relationship with unions whatsoever. The mayor particularly got completely hung up on this one issue, as that he was not going to recognize the existence of public unions. When a public official orders a group of men to get back to work and then we'll talk and treats them as though they are not men, that's a racist point of view. And no matter how you dress it up in terms of whether or not a union can organize, it's still racism. For at the heart of racism is the idea that a man is not a man. We thought we had reached an understanding during a meeting of the Public Works Committee. The council will meet tomorrow. Committee Chairman Fred Davis gave us a promise. That the council recognize the union and that there'll be some form a dues checkoff for the union. We were told to meet with the council. And we got there, one of the most crude charades in the many years I've represented working people took place. When they told me there'd be an honest council meeting today, and you and I would have a chance to talk to this council, I regret I believed them. They lied to me and they lied to you. We decided to march to the Claiborne Temple. And as soon as we got out there, uh, some of the police officers, not all of them, began hassling some of our folks. And I remember intervening and promised them faithfully that these men did not believe in violence, that the union did not believe in violence. We started a march and we moved down there and uh, police cars were used to harass us and push us around. And this was a turning point. I don't know who it was. Somebody hollered and said, break it up and they just broke right on us. And honest poor God in heaven, and they sprayed so much that stuff down my collar until I could feel it look like running down my back. My eyes, they shot the stuff in both my eyes. Couldn't see nothing. We built into our planning the escalation principle in order to help momentum build. 
mass meetings every night, daily marches of the workers and clergy, and then sit-ins at the city hall, which resulted at least one time in major arrests of many of us. In the meantime, I had been talking with Dr. Martin Luther King about his support and about his coming in order to both identify the struggle with himself and to help the people in the community identify the struggle in terms of a nonviolent campaign. You are demanding that this city will respect the dignity of labor. So often we overlook the worth and the significance of those who are not in professional jobs, of those who are not in the so-called big jobs. But let me say to you tonight that whenever you are engaged in work that serves humanity and is for the building of humanity, it has dignity and it has worth. You are reminding not only Memphis, but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. On March 28th, Dr. Martin Luther King led a march here in Memphis in support of the sanitation workers. This is one of the few times when his staff did not organize the march. Some of the young people saw this as an opportunity to demonstrate their frustration and what they considered the slowness with which the community leadership was moving. They began to break out windows and disrupt the march. This gave the policemen an opportunity to move in, to break up the march in an effort to discredit Dr. Martin Luther King and the local leadership. As when we came back downtown the following day, uh, really to be confronted with tanks and half tracks and jeeps and National Guardmen with bayonets all over the place, it really sort of provided the, the classic kind of confrontation between striking workers with nothing more than a picket sign and really actually what was the might of the armed forces of, of, of this city. <laughs> and it was frightening in one aspect. And where the least bit of uh, wrong action could really have triggered a situation that would have been tragic for many people. Somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. time that I heard the news of Dr. King's death, we were still struggling to arrive at a, an acceptable compromise. So many times in issues of this type, a little bit more leadership, a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more vision, 
and a little bit more flexibility would able you to deal with the problem. And yet, uh, this time we were not, and we had to have the tragedy to bring us to our senses. The city of Memphis recognizes the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, AFL-CIO, Local 1733, as a designated representative for certain employees in the Division of Public Works. The day this strike was over, that was the best part of my life. All in favor of recordation, let it be known by saying I. And I'm telling you the truth. You talking about a bull cake. It was black, white, they tied up on that state, hugging and crying and hollering. I win a whole lot in the strike. We got respect. That's the most important thing. They respect you as a man. Got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. That was a AFSCME uh, documentary about the labor struggle in Memphis, emphasizing the uh, labor side of it. Uh, as we know, if you listen to this show, you know, uh, Martin Luther King uh, was a labor activist. A last act of his life was to join this labor struggle because he saw and he expressed the fact that as he said what does it matter if I can sit next to you when you eat a hamburger if I can't afford a hamburger what does it matter if we can go to the same beach if I can't afford to bring my family down there so King had realized that um without economic justice. Social justice was kind of just a facade. The Jim Crow laws were, the root of the Jim Crow laws were in labor and in the control of labor. All right, I want to celebrate. Actually, let's talk about this. I'm... I've been uh, working with labor cards, or we talk about the biographies of famous labor leaders. And uh, we spoke, we speak about the Martin Luther Kings, the Mother Joneses, the Joe Hills, the Harry Bridgeses. But it's always good to keep in mind that these people would not have existed without their supporters, without those nameless people who did the dirty work, who did the hard work, who ran off the copies and 
went out and got the food and went door to door and in many cases went to jail without becoming famous, without becoming celebrated. If you take those people away, there is no Martin Luther King Jr. There is no Cesar Chavez. And uh, those men were wise enough to know it. So we're celebrating today the uh, unknown worker who joined locally and whose actions resonated globally, the unknown worker. This is the Bee and its Labor and Love Radio. Get on.
and silence bound in jail had no money for to go that bail keep your eyes on the prize hold on Paul and Silas thought they was lost dungeon shook and the chains come on keep your eyes on the prize hold on freedom's name is mighty sweet and soon
tone Streets up there paved with gold music that'll give you uh, hopefully give you hope and courage for what lies ahead what lies ahead of us is dismantling the corporate state that was Ann Feeney with dump the bosses off your back if you get rid of the rich man you get rid of the pover- the poor man And Feeney, before that, The Boss, a.k.a. Bruce Springsteen, with his eyes on the prize from an acoustic album he did called The Seeger Sessions, sort of a homage to uh, the great Pete Seeger and resistance folk music uh, in general. And then before that was Public Enemy, 1991, Shut Em Down. Redoubtable Chuck D. All right, let's let's get on now. Let's get on with some uh, labor news. Um, got well, gonna have to find it. Uh, let's start out with 
little piano music, take a little break, see you on the other side. Okay, back now. Radio Labor with their Worldwide Labor Report. It's on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, February 9th, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the U.S. Supreme Court hears a case to defund public employee and teacher unions. More than 300 women education workers and teachers met in Marrakesh. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. Anti-union forces in the United States are aimed at destroying public employee and teacher unions with a Supreme Court case to be heard in February 2018. The case is called Janus versus the American Federation of State, County and Municipal Employees, AFSCME. The main question in the case is whether a 40-year-old law which protects the financial capability of unions to negotiate collective agreements will be annulled. The 1977 law called Abood versus City of Detroit Board of Education declared that workers who are not members of their workplace union must still contribute financially to the expenses related to bargaining new contracts. These fees are known as agency fees because the union acts as a bargaining agent for workers who have decided to not join the union. The agency fees are known as fair share fees because the non-union workers benefit from the union negotiations and it's only fair that they pay their share of the costs. Janus versus AFSCME was the topic of a media conference where representatives of four major unions warned about the dangers of unions losing the fair share fee. Lee Saunders, the president of AFSCME, was one of the speakers. You know, it's crystal clear what the Janus case is all about. It's about trying to take away the freedom of public service workers, teachers, and firefighters, sanitation workers, and corrections officers. You know, real freedom is about more than making a living. It's also about having time to take care of a loved one, take that loved one to a doctor, to attend a parent-teacher conference, and to retire in dignity. We must protect our freedom to join together in unions and standing together we can fight for our freedom to prosper. The billionaires and corporate special interests behind this case don't believe working people should have this freedom. They don't believe that we should have a seat at the table. They are sitting pretty with the rigged economy they've created, a rigged system that keeps shoveling cash into the pockets of the super rich and anyone willing to do their bidding. Meanwhile, Working women and working men fall further and further behind more and more every single day. 
The largest global union in the world, Education International, held a conference for women labor leaders in Marrakesh this week. Seamarie Ainsborough reports. More than 340 teachers and other education workers met in Marrakesh, Morocco this week at the Third World Women's Conference of Education International. EI is the largest global union in the world. It represents some 32 million education workers in more than 170 countries. It has a particular focus on improving the teaching profession and how teachers are treated. The participants at the conference in Marrakesh represented almost 400 unions and associations. They discussed how women can reach the top leadership of their educational organizations, despite the many barriers put in their way. One of the speakers at the conference was Haldis Holst, the Deputy General Secretary of Education International. Ms. Holst was interviewed by Radio Labour's Marc Boulanger during the conference and asked about the barriers women face as they try to become leaders in their organizations. Still, we see that the number of women doesn't reflect membership. You know, the teaching profession is a feminized profession, so there, there should be more. And, uh, and there should be more women in the, on the executives. So it's moving slowly. The barriers... I think they're just the same as everywhere else in society. It's, you know, the stereotyped vision of who can be a leader, what is it to be a leader, what does the work involve. You have women who lack confidence in themselves, you have cultures that aren't uh, female friendly, that, you know, doing a lot of meeting in the evenings and so on, that doesn't really work for women. So it's about breaking down the same barriers that women have to break down everywhere else in society, I think. What are some of the solutions to the barriers women face that were suggested by the participants at the conference? Well, we're only halfway through the conference, but we've got an awful lot of positive suggestions and ways forward here. We were talking about working our way through a labyrinth. That is no longer really that women try to reach the top, then they hit a glass ceiling and they don't get through. But it's about seeing your whole pathway to the leadership positions and being able to identify sometimes the very small barriers that may emerge along your way and uh, and get get through that so you actually reach the top. We've been talking about that women need to, to crave leadership. They need to claim it and they need to own the spaces when they get there, when they really have worked their way through the labyrinth. So it's all about supporting each other becoming aware of the obstacles when you meet them. It's about capacity development, of course. It's about training women on their own, but also training men. So they become more aware of how can they support women in uh, making their way through the unions. We need to transform union cultures. Unions do very many places have a masculine culture that they were developed in a day and age where women weren't part of the working force. And some of this, they've sort of inherited over the generations, we can say, and they're still there. They still need to be challenged, and they still need to be changed. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 210 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to the coverage of the arrest of more union leaders in Turkey and the double standard in the way that union activists and corporate bosses are treated by the South Korean court system. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. 
Finnish public sector workers instituted a ban on overtime and schedule changes to protest the slow pace of bargaining. Public transport workers in India held a hunger strike in sit-in and won the resignation of their boss. Workers at almost 100 research institutions in Nigeria walked out over a wide range of demands. Cement workers continued their gate protests over planned layoffs in Trinidad and Tobago. Slovenian dockers won the reinstatement of one of their leaders after they shut down their workplace. A 200-day lockout at a mine in Australia escalated when the employer applied to terminate its relationship with the union. Fast food workers in the USA walked off the job in an effort to gain a living wage, while school bus drivers in the same country struck over health care benefits coverage. Indian contract port workers were off the job demanding the regularization of their employment. Estonian meatpackers were picketing to pressure their employer into paying them a living wage. Courageous factory workers in Iran struck work and were protesting publicly to demand back pay owed to them and Maltese doctors down tools to protest the restructuring and privatization of that country's health service. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the increased interest in unionizing amongst American women since the start of the hashtag MeToo movement, and a call by unions for inclusive labor laws and regulations in Pakistan. The Health and Safety Newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the horrendous working conditions at a fireworks factory in India where 17 workers recently died in a fire and the exit restrictions that caused their deaths and a precedent-setting Canadian case of suicide that was deemed the result of workplace conditions. Currently, Labour Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for That was uh, Radio Labor, of course, our weekly uh, worldwide labor feature. I want to talk a little about the Super Bowl because behind all the all the boosterism, all the chutzpah, all the hurrahs, the Super Bowl, according to Minnesotans for a Fair Economy, Director Steve Payne, is a big corporate prom a chance for billionaires to pat themselves on the back. Meanwhile, the NFL and its corporate partners use this high-profile event to continue a legacy of white supremacy and corporate capitalism that hurts our communities. The coalition is pressing for school funding, union recognition at a bakery, and the enforcement of Minnesota's $15 minimum wage and sick leave laws. For the host city, the Super Bowl is more than a game. It's a week-long festival showcasing the region's arts and culture 
and the game's corporate backers. Verizon, for example, sponsoring Super Bowl Live, a free 10-day music and arts festival that extends for six city blocks. In St. Paul, corporate benefactors and individual donors ponied up $800,000 to erect the seven-story Ecolab Ice Palace, named after a St. Paul-based conglomerate as the centerpiece of the city's annual winter carnival which coincides with the Super Bowl. It's all on the Labor Notes website so check it out a more complete analysis of the Super Bowl and its true cost to the uh, local community. Excellent. wanted to read that one uh, so you're not into music so you're not into let's see so this is from DSA Los Angeles and it asks the question you're just not that into politics well your boss is your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. Yes, it is. It, it is time to get into politics. Um... Looking around here today, I wanted to read this list. The labor movement, the folks that brought you. Let's start here. This is by no means an exhaustive list. And, um, but it's something we tend to forget. Overtime pay. Living wage laws, demands for social equality, domestic partners benefit, child labor laws, social security, civil rights, pension benefits, health benefits, workers' comp, minimum wage, workplace power, grievance procedures, OSHA, did I say pension benefits? I guess I did. Farm labor rights, unemployment insurance, the weekend, the very weekend, right now, this Saturday, equal pay for equal work. All, the, all these things were brought to you by the labor movement. So you're just not that into politics? Your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. Here's Barbara Dane.
Nope, we're not getting Barbara Dane. Let's put a stop on that. See what the problem is. Okay. As far as uh, the labor movement, I I saw I've seen recently three movies, three highly praised movies. Each movie in its own way is kind of offbeat. I'm talking about uh, The Shape of Water and uh, The Three Billboards and, uh, well, okay, let's deal with that. Let's deal with that one first, The Shape of Water. Shape of Water is kind of an allegory about nature, our relationship with nature, and it's played out in this apartment house this young woman uh, working on a top secret project. The top secret project is this evolved merman, kind of a monster who comes out of nowhere and is captured and uh, she's supposed to take care of it. One of the people who cares cares for it. And uh, it goes from there. It's kind of a, a common, I mean, Mighty Joe Young, King Kong, a lot of these films are similar. But this one is done with very, a lot of style. Uh, a little quirky. Didn't really uh, work work for me as a, a way to deal with the nature and human duplicity. But uh, very well done, very highly praised. The next one was Three Billboards, and this one is about a, this is a, a true noir, because you start out with a hero, and gradually you realize that no one's a hero. We're all just out there trying to achieve something or get something done. This woman, Frances McDormand, who's a master at this character, this sort of tired, angry, plain, older woman, right? Who's finally coming to terms with her life or trying to. And she buys three billboards to advertise the fact that her daughter was raped and murdered and there have been no arrests. And what's the matter, uh, Sheriff Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson. And uh, the film takes us through ups and downs. For a while, Frances McDormand is truly a hero, but then we realize that she too is flawed. She gets called out, but she continues on with her, her determination to get to the bottom of this crime against her daughter. Uh, very well done speaks to us of class, just like the film Tanya. Tanya, again, is about a talented woman, a young woman who's talented, has been driven by her mother to become a champion ice skater. But then her past and her class start to work against her. And she kind of becomes a, a victim of the ruling class's vision 
the vision of a happy family and everything all fancy and shiny. Tanya's never quite perfect, never quite shiny enough. Besides, she's got her own devils in the form of her husband and his totally inept uh, helpers. So Tanya is about class. And the third one I recommend highly. If you haven't seen Get Out, see it. Again, it's uh, very powerful because it's a story about race relations in the U.S. superimposed on the structure of uh, a typical horror movie where one character realizes with horror that he's isolated and uh, everybody's against him. These weird forces. And of course the weird forces white racism okay let's see I wanted to play Barbara Dane Deportees and we're not getting Deportees Okay, this is the B, around the 11 o'clock hour, take a little break and get back to you on the other side, and uh, good work.
We're coming at you from Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, here in the heart of San Francisco's Mission District. Mutiny Radio is sponsoring this year's Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival here for this year from March 1st to March 5th. Thursday to Saturday, 6 to 11 p.m. Sunday and Monday, 5 to 10 p.m. So if comedy is your thing, either as a performer or as a spectator, come on down. It's happening here at Mutiny Radio for a nominal fee. You can participate in what is generally acknowledged as San Francisco's hottest comedy venue, Mutiny Radio. Shows for everybody, every point of view, clean comedy, stand-up comedy, Rainbow Presents My Alt Life, Best of Fest Part 1, Best of Fest Part 2, The F-Bomb Comedy Train, Cats, Cats, I'm Not White, Benders Presents Oh My DUI, Underwear Only, that's the pajama party. Anyway, check it out at mutinyradio.fm and come on down. Come on down just in general. We need your input. We're looking for programmers. Come on down and give yourself a voice. All right, let's see now if we can get things going here. Here's a little piano music.
Okay, coming at you from uh, Labor and Love Radio now, the weekly labor beat, happenings all around that have to do with labor. First one is truthexam.com, Oregon crops rot as immigration crackdown creates farm worker shortage. Farmers forced to hire expensive workers. While many parts of the country have felt some extreme colds, America has also been a lot warmer than most years, which could lead to an early harvest. That means that farmers are going to hire and need to hire a help a bit sooner than expected. That is, if immigration and customs enforcement ICE left anyone to hire. President Trump's crackdown on immigration, he claims, is because Hispanic immigrants are stealing jobs. But when it comes to agriculture, most Americans don't want to work in the fields. Farmers from Talon, Oregon, say they have tried hiring more domestic labor for over a decade, but it never seems to work out. So they've hired immigrants. When you need pear pickers, you take anyone you can get, Ron Meyer, a third-generation owner of Meyer Orchards, said. Between Trump's crackdown on illegal immigration and Americans' apathy to work on farms, Meyer Orchards are having trouble finding workers for the first time in 108 years. Meyer says, the borders are better protected now so the illegal workers don't come in like they did at one time. The solution? Working with foreign governments to staff its harvest team. This will cost about $1,000 to bring each migrant farm worker to Talon, and Meyer needs to bring in seven workers on visas to fill out his 12-man team. We actually bring them, and we have to pay their way up and back. So it's a very expensive process, but there are no alternatives. Farmers in Talon are also having to contend with the booming marijuana industry, Meyer says. They have been able to pay more because we have than we have because their income is much better than the pear business. 
And this is where Trump's war on immigration comes full circle. Talent farmers are actually bringing workers from Mexico and South America anyway. In fact, this is becoming standard practice. One migrant network estimates that there are as many as 2.7 million migrant workers in the United States. Thanks to Trump, these farmers are having to pay more money for hired help and are still getting workers from the same countries. All he's managed to do is hurt their bottom line. And my comment is, what goes around comes around. Labor and Love Radio. We've got another article like that. Um, Labor and Love Radio brings you California crops rot as immigration crackdown creates farm workers shortage. No one wants to do the harvesting. Typical problem, huh? Capitalism is like that. Capitalism is a system that uh, destroys and undermines the source of its wealth. So Trump's anti-immigration stand hurts the very hurts because we're all interconnected. We need those people to f- pick the crops for us and bring the food to our tables. But we undermine them every chance we get. Now we're blaming them for our ills. California crops rot as immigration crackdown creates farm workers struggle. No less than Fortune magazine, this article. Vegetable prices may be going up soon as a shortage of migrant workers is resulting in lost crops in California. Already the situation has triggered losses of more than $13 million in two California counties alone. The vast majority of California's farm workers are foreign-born, with many coming from Mexico. However, the Pew Research Center reports more Mexicans are leaving the U.S. than coming here. To make jobs more attractive, farmers are offering salaries above minimum wage, along with paid time off and 401k plans. But even that's not enough. It's unclear how widespread the labor shortages for farmers throughout the country, which would have a bigger impact on prices consumers pay. Ultimately, drought and flooding have a more significant impact on farms. Low oil prices could also offset any impact of the worker shortage. But for farmers who have seen net farm income fall 50% since 2013, any lost income could be potentially devastating. Another brick in the wall. What goes around comes around. This is about Elon Musk, the uh, the millionaire, billionaire, I don't know, 
who is the uh, CEO of Tesla car manufacturers and who just uh, sponsored a rocket ship that was supposed to land uh, in Mars. But let's see what's behind the scenes. Musk is widely known as an anti-labor person. This is in the SF gate, February 28th, 2017. Elton Elon Musk decries UAW union, promises employees frozen yogurt and roller coaster machine. This frozen yogurt and electric pod roller coaster machine are just some of the perks Tesla CEO. Elon Musk promised employees in an email obtained by BuzzFeed. Musk wrote that as soon as the Model 3 reaches volume production next year, there will be free yogurt stands scattered around the factory, as well as a Tesla electric pod car roller coaster. It's going to get crazy good. Now, however brilliant this man is, however successful he is in business he has no idea of the lives of working people elon musk before talk of yogurt and roller coasters musk began with some inspiring david versus goliath rhetoric the forces raid against us are as many are many and incredibly powerful he wrote Musk then commented on the recent Medium post by Tesla employee Jose Moran, who claimed that Tesla factory's employees are overworked and underpaid. The post alleges that just a few months ago, six out of eight people in my work team were out on medical leave at the same time due to various work-related injuries. Moran later posted a Facebook video advocating for unionizing. Musk fired back at the post and cited Moran's claims as untrue. He added that the post was promoting the United Auto Workers, which does not share our mission. See, it's our mission. They're getting overworked and underpaid, and it's our mission. And whose true allegiance is to the giant car company. Elon Musk, and, and this came back into prominence because uh, Musk uh, sponsored a rocket ship that was supposed to go to Mars. I don't think it made it. Uh, Labor and Love Radio. This one is a tension video. And the headline says, let's see if we can get it up here.
We're not getting Barbara Dane. Let's see. Should be coming through here. But not coming through. Something has... Okay, this is the B. It's labor and love. Barbara Dane. This deportees. Well, let's do a little background on that. That was a song by Woody Guthrie. And Guthrie was decrying the fact that these people had come to work in... Uh, the fields of California, and then they were being flown back. They were being deported to Mexico, and the plane crashed. And uh, Guthrie decries the fact that they will be known in the news as just deportees instead of having names. Well... Uh, a young Chicano writer named uh, Tim Z. Hernandez decided to do something about that. So he decided to research the situation and find out the names of all the people and write about their lives. So he did exactly that. His book is out now. And it's called Not Just Deportees. So he found out who those people were and found out as much as he could about their backgrounds. And uh, so his book is kind of a uh, vindication of the uh, Woody Guthrie song. Not Just Deportees. Working Class History, January 18th, 1961. Did you ever wish your wages were as good as footballers? Then organize. They did on 18 January 1961. Football bosses agreed to abolish the maximum wage for footballers, which was then 20 pounds a week, following a nearly unanimous vote to strike by players from the 21st. Working class history. On January 18, 2013, 1,000 migrant factory workers in Shanghai stopped work and had and held 18 bosses hostage in protest of a new disciplinary policy which included a two-minute limit on bathroom breaks. Two minutes to go to the bathroom. This is where the bosses want us. The company quickly withdrew the policy. January 13th, January 2013. One of Hitler's first repressive acts 
of uh, acts of repression took place on January 20th, 1934, as Nazi Germany abolished collective bargaining and union elections. Working class history. January 21st, 1946, the largest strike in United States history took place when 750,000 steelworkers went on strike. Part of a massive strike wave in the wake of World War II. And we've spoken here about the last major general strike in a major U.S. city, and it was right here in the Bay Area, Oakland, California, 1946. Uh, we called it a work holiday, is the name of the, uh, the article. You can... Google that. January 22nd, 1826. Member, members of the Hajakamin nation who were field hands at the Mission San Juan Capistrano refused to work. In what has been called the first farm worker strike in the state. Of course, there was a long history of resistance by Native Americans to the missions and other colonizing projects. So this may just be the first reported work stoppage. Wherever we go, we have to remember, I mean, I'm not worried about unions and, and workers' organizations because the conditions that produce them, oppression, Subpar pay, overwork, enforced conditions that make li workers' lives less than better. Those will all keep happening because people will always, always, always try to make more money off our labor. So... We're going to have to squeeze that and get that surplus in our own hands. What would happen if workers decided where the profits and how they were spent? Would workers ship their own jobs off overseas and tear apart their community? Would they fire people without due process? Would they involve themselves in the community where they live instead of sending all the profits to some office tower and some economic capital of the world? Probably not. I'm betting not. The only way to save jobs is if we're the ones who decide What happens to them if the workers themselves are the ones who decide? Okay, let's see. This one is an old work song with a modern twist.
Okay, that was the Beach Boys with a uh, a traditional work song. The uh, John B. Hoist up the John B. Sails. Reminiscent of the days when young men uh, sailed the seven seas. But labor relations held there too. Uh, everywhere you go, there are people who want to be bosses and people who are forced by circumstance to work for them. This is the B, and I'm wishing you a good week and good work. Uh, remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Remember, if you don't, you're only alone when you don't stand up. And when you don't stand up, they'll say you stood up for sitting down. This is the Labor and Love Show, where the labor meets the road, reminding you again about our classic radio comedy festival for the year 2018. 37 comics, 25 shows, 5 days live for 30 audience members, live streaming and broadcasts. So if comedy's your thing, come on down and join in, either as a participant or as an audience, a participatory audience member. Goodbye, everybody, and good work. Call-outs to Solina, Vita, 
my soulmate Sylvia Ramirez, everybody else out there, where the labor meets the road. Here's Willie Dixon. You know, the blues speak of so many things and making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. And when you think about the various nations of the earth, the various religions of the earth, the various nationalities, the various people all over the world, we have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. Have created miracles. But it don't make sense when we can't make peace. You know, you made everything else. Wise men, great men from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace. sure don't. It don't make sense if you can't make peace. Okay. See you next week, mutiny fans. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs>
Hey everybody, listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for near five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Nice like this, they were all shot. Well, hello, and all that and stuff in the corner. You don't know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all right, the right you. places. It's cannabis energy. It uh, seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you properly feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join the Green Army.com.
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out. Hey, people. This is the Flat Black Plastic Show coming to you from MutinyRadio.fm. Please enjoy. Doctor, let me tell you something about myself. College man, and I'm very wealthy. Got no time to trifle with trash like you. Cause I must be about my business. My brother's a machinist in a textile mill. Make more money than you ever will. Just got married to a Polish girl. Space between her teeth. There's a dance up in Baltimore Small cafe on me She run off with a Negro from the Eastern Shore Thank you. 